Welcome back for another episode of Counting the Stars. I'm Mary Gillum, and I'm here for morning coffee with my husband, Malone Gillum, where we ponder and discuss the big questions of life. Who are we? Why are we the way we are? What is truth and what is fiction? And just as endless as the stars in the sky are, our exploration never runs out of new questions and discoveries. So grab a cup of coffee for yourself if you like, and join us as we dive into what's unfolding this week. Let's focus in on seeing a little more of life and truth and do some growing up together as family. Here we go. Okay, welcome back. We're going to jump right in here. Um, I'm excited and also in a state of recently having my mind blown and my heart expanded. So I'll have to see if I can make heads or tails of this and then you can straighten it all out for us. Oh, great. (laughs) How does that sound? It's usually the way it works. Let me go make a Bloody Mary. (laughs) So a couple of days ago, over the weekend... I had an idea just popped into my head like, oh, that would be a good title for a podcast. Cause I, it's one of the things I love doing when I'm editing. I'll make little notes and the process of coming up with a fun title. I love doing that. So hold that thought just one second. Okay. Just an aside that our listeners are going to find fascinating. Oh, good. I hope. <laughs> so back in the forties, 1940s, RKO Pictures wanted to compete with Universal Studios, and monster movies were all the rage. Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Universal was cranking them out. And RKO Studios employed a producer named Val Luton to make movies, and they did the exact same thing to Val Luton that you just talked about. They came up with titles that they thought were really cool and gave them to him and said, now you have to create a movie around this, which is really pretty difficult. And they gave him titles such as uh, I Walked with a Zombie, um, The Body Snatcher, The Leopard Man, (laughs) Curse of the Cat People. So anyway, they they did the same thing. They came up with titles that they really liked, The Ghost Ship. And then he was tasked with getting a screenplay written around those titles and creating movies, which if you look for them, you can find them. I really enjoy the old Val Luton RKO uh, horror movies. They're psychological. They're not scary by today's standards, but very well done. So, well, good. Interlude done. I like that. And <laughs> as I thought of this title, I, you know, assumed it was just another fleeting passing idea. And unless I write those things down, I'll never see them again in my mind, (laughs) but I actually wrote this title down. And then, so I'll share the title in just a second. And then yesterday, as I'm opening up my YouTube to listen to, like, you know, you get the rolling suggestions of YouTubes. Once you've established, like, the things you like to listen to, they're like, oh, well, if you liked that, we think you'll like this. So I opened up the first one on my suggested playlist, and it was a Richard Rohr um, interview on a podcast, and I'll link it in the notes. 
It's over an hour long. It goes in a lot of different directions, but the title of it was A Contemplative Look at the Bible. So I listened to that, and it was one of those experiences where it connected me to the title suggestion that I had on my own, but also confirmed so many things and questions that we've been bouncing around and opened up a whole lot more on top of it. So the title that I came up with in my mind is Certitude, the Idol of Today. Ah, nice. (laughs) I like it. And then, so just in brief, we've talked about certitude. We've talked about um, just observing and and participating in a society where where right and wrong are like the way of today, and how how black and white thinking and dualistic thinking can really get us in a a pickle in terms of relationships and having no common ground and no gray area. Well, and it makes me think that it, it reduces the, if we think of life, the experience of life as a spectrum of colors, it reduces that spectrum down to just a few colors because, um, well, you go ahead and I'll jump in later with what I'm, it's making me think about, but Okay. And so just a, just a very brief, the, when you look up the definition of both certitude and faith, because people think that your faith, especially the Christian faith and tradition is all about today. I mean, so many people think that's about the absolutes, the certitude. But if you look up the simple definition, the definition of faith is trust in someone or something. The definition of certitude is an absolute, um, wait, I forgot. It's on my phone. It's like the absolute, um, understanding or the absolute, um, there's, there's no wiggle room. There's no trust and there's no like, um, room for growth is just rock solid. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I wanted to leap off from. And I have one more image from the podcast that I want to share, but just where that leaves us, especially in the Christian tradition and lifestyle and, and discipleship, which you could extend to all of education and living life in any arena. But if our life is all about finding these absolutes and, and binding ourselves to them and finding the tribe that's going to share that with us and and that's it. There's no more growth after that. It seems so short-sighted and and um, and narrow-minded. It's horrific, honestly. And it's it's like the Pied Piper is playing that tune of certitude, and uh, people have just lined up behind him and are waltzing, following, and they don't realize that he's taken them away for bad purposes Um, because it does, it narrows your experience of life uh, into one 
in which you can't help but be miserable because the arenas in which you're going to find confirmation of your certitude begin to shrink. And so you're always dissatisfied and you become oppositional because it's everything out there is not lining up with the way I know it should be. So therefore it's wrong and I've got to stand in opposition to it. And so much energy gets spent um, in that way. Uh, And we lose sight of what really binds us. I mean, as you relate it to the Christian faith, you know, really it's do we believe in, do we believe Jesus? And let's quit defining it beyond that, which is unfortunately certitude begins to define it beyond that. Instead of being bound together just in the unity within the Christian faith of believing in Jesus, it's now you have to believe all these specific things that people have decided that means or else you're not part of it. So instead of unity, it becomes uniformity Mm. in a very narrow spectrum uh, of uh, thought and conviction. Right. And yeah, it's exclusion. It excludes so many people and it, it excludes you from experiencing life. Yeah. So back to a couple of points within this podcast, the interviewers were asking Roar about how, what is the source of this like absolutes, this, you know, especially you see in the church, so many divisions, so many absolutes and people just clinging to a a hunger and a desire for their one voice where they can just hang out there and put up their boundaries. And so Roar stepped back and, and shared this beautiful image. And it's a methodology that they use at his school, the Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque. So he shared the image of a tricycle where you have a balance of a front wheel and two back wheels. And he said the front wheel is inner experience, which is terrifying to the Western church and became terrifying at the point of the Enlightenment where people really took off outside of the church to begin with, with the explosion of the rational mind, where they were chasing those absolutes. So inner experience became low man on the totem pole, and rationality became the high man on the totem pole. All right, so that's the front wheel as inner experience began to go slower and slower on this balanced methodology of the tricycle. The two back wheels are scripture and the perennial tradition. So ideally for, um, for the Christian progression and for evolution and for healthy growth to happen, all three wheels of that tricycle are rolling forward together in unison. So that's interesting. Um, So that very same image I was taught in seminary, except with a vast difference. Oh, here we go. (laughs) And it's one of the reasons why we now have the situation you're talking about. The front wheel was not inner experience. The front wheel was scripture. Ah. As I defined scripture, and the back wheels were experience and tradition. And they had to line up with 
whatever interpretation of scripture you were being taught. So if you had an experience where you saw a tradition which didn't conform to your absolutes, they were in error. Oh, that's very different. And so that's the way priests are being formed, is at least there, and in many cases, is, and and there it was the reformed uh, interpretation of Scripture. Yeah. So this is what absolute truth is, our narrow interpretation of Scripture, and anything you experience or read outside of that is wrong. Wow. That's very different. Yeah. It's scary. So one of the very next things Roar pointed pointed out after giving us this image where the front wheel that's kind of, you know, in leadership in a way, rolling forward is inner inner experience. You could he also used some other words to describe that wheel. Hopefully it's it's guided by an inner experience of some level of conversion where you've had an awakening of the goodness of God that's directing your interpretation of the scripture and helping you enrich that perennial tradition. But if you don't have any of that, your inner experience is going to be whatever your lenses are, whatever your filters and whatever has been kind of shaped and formed you is going to be the way you read scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we can't get away with that. I mean, that's, that is just something very important for anybody who is a student of scripture to understand. You actually cannot come to scripture objectively. Yeah. It's impossible because your, your experiences and the way that you've been conditioned and your circumstances and you are going to have a bias no matter what when you read scripture. And that's just, you might as well settle that fact in your mind, that that's just going to be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what I was going to say early on is less connected really to the Christian faith, although you we could certainly uh, find overlap, and we have talked a little bit about it. I'm just thinking about life in general particularly in America, in our lifetime, for sure. And it may go back further than that. Um, But this is drawing on my experience, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the certitude plays itself out in kind of uh, unconscious ways, simply in the patterns that we deem... um, quote-unquote acceptable or exceptional. And what I mean by that is we have some sense of certitude that if we or our children go to the these specific kinds of schools, that they will then get specific kinds of jobs and live in specific kinds of neighborhoods and marry specific kinds of spouses and then perpetuate that system. So it's a system of certitude in one sense that we are sure that if they'll simply go to, you know, Duke or an Ivy league school or Stanford, that they're somehow, and we don't think of this consciously, but they're somehow a better, more equipped person than if they go to some other school that's not been given, you know, put in that same category. And we, 
give it the benefit of the doubt. We walk around just kind of bowing and scraping to this that, oh, well, they went to Harvard. Well, then they must, I mean, they're either connected or whatever. And so doorways fly open. So this kind of system of quote unquote certitude as to who is worthy to be in positions of leadership is in some sense arbitrary. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying they don't have great professors. They do, but so do schools, you know, that aren't in that category. You know, maybe a uh, East Carolina, North Mm -hmm. Texas State, Mm -hmm. um, Occidental, you know, whatever. Right. Um, So anyway, it, it may not fit perfectly, but I thought, you know, our whole way of life is built on this certitude that if we can simply enter into that cycle of the right schools, the right jobs, the right neighborhoods, the right country club, then our life is right. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was, when we, we were in a season of homeschooling for several years, um, because I was exposed to some homeschool material that, that really piqued my curiosity. And of course, when you've got young children, every parent, I think, wants the best for their child. And I'm that type of person where I, I'm a bit of a rebel. So I'm like, well, what about this alternative? Maybe this would be better. And, and, and I loved the idea of being with my children more and having that deeper connection and being more of a participant with the way that they were learning. So I went into looking at all the educational philosophies and styles in order to see, well, what's out there? What, what direction do we want to go? And huge amount of material. I'm sure that after this year, people are more aware of the enormous amount of material out there, but you've got stuff from a classical education style in particular, I'm thinking of that book, The Well-Trained Mind, right. which was huge and fundamental homeschool um, vein. And it was all in that methodology of training and educating a child is about putting in exactly what ought to be put in, and that's education. And if you put in the right ingredients, you'll turn out with a wonderful recipe, right? Mm-hmm. All the way over to a John Holt unschooling methodology, which says, actually, you follow the child's interest and you supply the materials as those interests are shown and cultivate actually their own bent in their own direction. And that's true education. And then you got everything in the middle, you know, and it's so wide, wide. Uh, Yeah. And even in that, we can be tempted to go into certitude of one is better than the other Yes. when actually you need elements of both. Yes. The gray area (laughs) in the middle is where you're going to find like the streams of truth for yourself and your own family. Yeah. Yeah, Cause are there things you need to pour into your children from the classical ideology and theology or in uh, philosophy? Oh, absolutely. But that can be so uh, restrictive and um robotic stunting yeah stunting of life <laughs> that you just you that's right you churn out these perfectly quaffed robots yeah uh versus the unschooling which you know 
the, uh, it t- reminds me of that scripture. We may have talked about it here before about uh, parents train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Well, that train up a child in the way they should go is actually mirroring the unschooling. It's what are their uh, tendencies and how do they learn best? We've always thought, well, you you just drill them with the Ten Commandments. And that's, but that's actually, the Hebrew is not saying that. When you understand what the Hebrew words are there, it's, no, you find out how does that child uh, understand life and, and what are their bents, mm-hmm. help them then understand the goodness of God within those arenas. Yeah. And when they're older, they'll not depart from the goodness of God rather than just uh, hammering facts into their brain. Yeah, it's a balance, and you can take that right back to the tricycle, (laughs) to that image that could be applied to so many areas, that finding balance and taking some of this and some of that and some of this and putting it together in a balanced way is is kind of our learning curve and, and a lifestyle of growing. If we could all appreciate the wisdom of that, and, and there are Eastern practices that talk about keeping a beginner's mind. You know, in the Christian faith, Jesus is always pointing to the children and saying, become like a child, learn and grow and open your heart and your mind at the same time and experience who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the kind of last image I can think of as it relates to this comes to um, micromanagement. And if you've ever been micromanaged, you totally understand what I'm talking about, that that's kind of this arena of certitude, that someone is standing over you to make sure you do it the way that they want it done. And there's so much restriction and... uh, lack of freedom in that arena. Whereas, you know, when I I tell my employees or volunteers or whatever, you know, when I have a task or something that I need you to do for the church, I'm asking you because you have gifts and talents in that arena that I don't have. I'm not going to micromanage you. We're going to talk about, you know, what's the outcome we're looking for? What are the particular goals? But then go do it. Use your creativity and your skills and whatnot. I'm not going to stand over your shoulder because I might as well do it myself. Um, and th- so that kind of fits into this certitude. It's like, mm. I don't, I'm not ex- exactly sure what we're going to get. It'll be something along these lines, but it'll probably be way better than if I tried to control the situation from the outset. Yep. That is so good. So true. All right. So I'm going to continue to sit in my mind-blown, (laughs) heart-blown state for a while and probably go back and listen to that podcast again. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I love it. I love the... Um, the seek and the search and the journey is so intriguing to me. I think I'll go back and watch some Val Luton movies. <laughs> so uh, just a quick note about the Val Luton comment. It was Paul Zoll's comment at your installation here at St. Paul's during his sermon 
he started out with a very funny joke that because he knows us and he knows you and that you love Val Luton and, and you share that enjoyment together. He said that on your <laughs> gravestone or no, was it, it was on my gravestone one day would be the inscription of I walked with a zombie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your time with us today. We hope you feel encouraged and included in all of these discussions. Above all, we really want you to know that you matter. And we're all really just one big family. So until next week, keep noticing your stars. Enjoy your freedom to explore life and just take it one step at a time. Peace.